Welcome to the Wealth in Yourself podcast, a show dedicated to helping you master the complex subject of money by simplifying it through stories and actionable advice. I'm Josh St. Laurent, and this is Wealth in Yourself. Welcome to the Wealth in Yourself podcast, where we help people to design their ideal life and take control of their time and money. I'm your host, Josh St. Laurent. Today, we're joined by Alex Shapiro, the co-founder and CEO of CanMonkey, a vacation rental trash solution. CanMonkey is the first can-to-curb service provider and the largest in the country. Alex is a serial entrepreneur and financial advisor, and we're excited to hear more about what he's been working on. Alex, thanks for being here. Thank you, man. This is a, a great like honor. I really appreciate it. I've been following you on LinkedIn. So it's awesome that the universe, you know, assisted us together and, and I'm here now. So I look forward to diving into this with you and answering any questions that you have for me. Definitely. I've been excited. I've been looking forward to this. For the people who are listening who aren't familiar with you and your work, can you give us kind of a high level overview of what you do? Absolutely. So Cam Monkey is a marketplace. I think about like Airbnb or Uber. We help bridge the gap of individuals or homeowners or business owners, whether it's vacation rentals that want to take their trash and recycling cans to the curb. We bridge that gap to where they sign up on the platform and then we put them onto a route that is reoccurring weekly. And so it's kind of like a modern day paper route. And it's just one of our first of our kind. The thought process started in Scottsdale, Arizona took off during the pandemic with Airbnbs and short-term rentals. And now when we got into a, or when we get into a market where we are uh, sustainable with a route, we're able to add on individual people after that, the onesies and twosies. We're in 17 states, over 80 cities currently, operating all from Tempe, Arizona, you know, with using our own technology that we built, systems and processes. And then yeah, so essentially just it's a, a marketplace. Yeah, that's super cool. I love the concept and the idea. I think that's how we initially connected. Can you talk more about how did CanMonkey come to be? I know you said it sort of had its rise during COVID times, which makes a lot of sense, but how did the idea come to be? My business partner, I actually met him right after college. And then he was in the clothing industry and I was trying to find my way into like my young adulthood. Worked together a little bit under him where I was really, he helped me like kind of see the world bigger. He's like one of my first mentors, but then we kind of drifted apart. I got into the real estate industry during 2010, during the REO boom, got into title and escrow, working with different hedge funds that were buying in the Phoenix market, basically through 2010 to 2020. Mark and I, my business partner, got back together probably we always stayed in touch, but in 2018, he kind of brought to my attention how he started CanMonkey. He had already got like a Fiat little car, wrapped it, spent money on marketing, PR, spent money on everything that you would need for a business. And after the first year, only had like 20 signups and it wasn't really hitting like he thought. And when he brought to my attention then in 2018, I kind of laughed it off. I was like, that's a silly idea. I wouldn't pay for someone to take my trash cans to the curb. And then there was like that drip. Yeah, you know, I think the next morning I forgot my trash cans. Yeah, you know, I forgot to take them out. And I was like, oh my gosh, maybe he's on to something. But he was only servicing a different city, wasn't servicing my city. So didn't really think anything of it. And then when I was in real estate, one of my clients was converting some of his long-term rentals into short-term rentals. And that was still at 2018, the first time I had really heard of Airbnbs or short-term rentals. And when we were at lunch, one day he was telling me how the client was telling me how many issues he was having with his trash cans. And then the light bulb went off. I was like, I know a guy that could 
probably help you with those. Like what, you know, and he gave me 20 properties of those short-term rentals. And I took them to now my business partner basically doubled his business. You know, I was like, look, it took you a year to get to 20. I have one person and got 20 right here. Let's change the business model. Let me buy in. Let's do this. And it wasn't just like, yeah, let's do it. It was kind of like, I'm going after homeowners. I'm not doing that, you know? And, but then slowly but surely kind of realized it was a niche, especially in Scottsdale. It's like the short-term rental mecca. And then right before the pandemic, we were already looking to kind of scale our business and the pandemic happened and we we're like, oh crap, you know, we missed our you know, chance. And then a couple of weeks, you know, we lost some properties and a couple of weeks later, we got those properties back and then we got more properties and then we got more properties and we're like, holy crap, you know? And then it's like, how do we get, you know, to 500? It's like, well, what if we scale to another market, you know? And so then we found some of our clients that were using us in Scottsdale also had properties in Austin, you know, in Park City. And it's like, well, whoa, if we can help them here, what if we can help them there? And then you just kind of go to one market and then you go to one market. And that's just kind of how it, you know, scaled. And when the pandemic happened, I lost my job in title and escrow in corporate America. And I was going to get a job somewhere else and do the same thing. And I was like, no, what? Screw it. I'm just going to go all in the rest of the year. I didn't know what really really was going to happen with the world. I knew at that point we had lost some properties, but we were getting more back. So I knew we were on to something a little bit, but it was still like a crazy idea. I had three kids at the time and a wife. And I still, I've four kids now. But you know, it was a crazy time to like not go after something with a little bit more protection for my family. But I'm glad in the, in the long run now there's like light at the end of the tunnel. We have 5,000 properties over on subscription right now. Like I said, over 80 cities. And now we are just kind of really fine tuning our systems and processes to help us scale to 10,000 to 15,000. Because what we're doing now, we can't do at the next level and, and we're learning it now. So it's, you know, the growing pains, what helps you get you here doesn't help you get you there. And then you got to surround yourself with people or mentors or people who have already kind of done it in another way that can say, hey, you're going down this hallway, but skip the first three doors and go to the fourth door. I'm telling you, just bypass all those or use this tool or use this. And that's where we're doing now. We're partnering ourselves with the people who've seen not exactly what we're doing, but have scaled maybe other businesses like a, an Uber-esque or a Grubhub or something along those lines. It can give us insight of what they did at this point when they're trying to scale their marketplace. Man, that's exciting. What a journey, you know, to go from zero to 5,000 like that as someone with a short-term rental in bear country, right? Where bears are going through the trash. Like I completely, you know, right away was like, man, this is awesome. Like I can see the utility here. And then before we started recording, we were talking about, you mentioned a different use case too. You said maybe older parents and things like that is something that didn't even cross my mind. So are there sort of a few different demographics that you think of that make a lot of sense for Can Monkey? A thousand percent. And that's what's, I wouldn't say that's the hardest thing, but it's one of the hardest things is like, where do you narrow your, your thought process to? Because when you really want to think about this, you could probably now start thinking of HOAs and elderly and 65 and older communities and like RVs. Like there's like, now your mind just blown. So like for me, when you're starting a startup with no capital, you're you know bootstrapping it. I think of like, what's the smartest, you know, what's the low hanging fruit? And for me, when I came on, the low hanging fruit was the short term rental, the one person giving me 20 properties. And then it even goes back to when I was doing real estate, selling title and escrow. I could go after a real estate agent that sold one property a month. That would be a good client. Or I go after an investor who was doing 10 deals a week. And maybe the fees were a little bit lower, but I got more in volume. And that's the same thought process I was taking. Would I still deal with the real estate agents? Of course. But did I want more investors? Yes. And that's how I saw it here when we started this business. Like, hey, I'm going to replace my income or I have to start making income quickly or revenue covers all sins. So how do I just bring in revenue right away? Can we go after the people who need? 
need it. You bring the people who need it. You build a base, you build a foundation, you build a nice route that you have someone that can now run that route. And then now what do you do? You fill it in with the ne- you know, nearest neighbors. I understand when companies get hundreds of millions of dollars and how you see like five years later, they have no business and they're bankrupt. Like I, I see that. Like I see if you got to go from having a lot of capital, you can throw money at problems all day long and come up with you know some solutions, but they're temporary. They're not permanent. And when you come from a way where you have no capital and you have to figure out a solution, it's more permanent than anything because you don't want to keep doing it again. And that's where we come from now. So like I see companies like I'm a technology, I'm a logistics and technology company now, but that's not what I don't know that. Like, you know, like I that's so that's so crazy to me that I'm the CEO, co-founder of logistics technology company because that's not my background. I don't even know what the background you would need to have to take out trash cans the curb and back. But, you know, it's really like, hey, that is a need. Can I scale that to a thousand? Can I scale that to this many? I, I could. Can I scale up to 10,000? I can't. Okay, reverse engineer that. Okay, now work to that goal. And that's where I'm at. So do I believe it can be to a million subscribers? Yep. Can I get it there? Yep. You know, but what do I want to start at first? You know, let's get to a thousand and five. And, you know, so I'm going through my benchmarks and we're hitting them. But like using the Excel formats and using all the systems that we used in the beginning would not work right now with 5,000. It could work with a hundred properties, especially when like me and my business partner were actually taking the cans to the curb. And then, you know, and you can, you know, you don't really need to take pictures for proof. I'm the proof. Like I did it, you know? And then when you start outsourcing it, you're like, wait, did they actually do it? Like, how do I know that? So now you have to build technology. So like we did the reverse where we built the process and systems and the infrastructure and a profitable company and a scalable company. And then we say, you know what? We need, we need technology for this. And then now we built the technology for our business that we created. They were on the Apple store, Google Play. So now we're a tech company that we built strategically for a business. And unlike people building technology for a business, hoping they can sell it, we already sold the business and now building the tech for it, if that makes sense. Right. Definitely. Definitely. I want to dive a little deeper into maybe like lessons learned along the way, because that journey is motivating to hear. And we have a lot of listeners who are trying to build wealth, trying to scale companies, even invest in real estate. And so maybe if you can speak to the journey and maybe lessons learned along the way, I'll even throw out there, I was looking at your LinkedIn, I saw, you know, Pool Monkey too, maybe came before Can Monkey. Maybe there were some lessons that you piggybacked off of that that really helped, you know, with the rise of Can Monkey. So I wanted to throw that out there too. One of the things that I really, I learned along the ways, but I did subconsciously was I started to diversify some of my income. That comes back from like being a financial advisor, you know, first and foremost, learning that from my family, just not putting all your eggs in one basket. And I watched the TV show Billions on a bachelor trip. And I remember that was like in 2018, March of 2018. And November of 2018 is when I actually invested in Cam Monkey. But I was trying to be like my own little axle rod. You know, I was trying to be like, hey, if I can invest in this company, maybe I can manipulate it a little bit and like, you know, sell it. Like I was trying to be like that guy. And so I'm glad that I did those things because when when my eggs all fell from the one, you know, the Fortune 500 company basket that got wiped away from me, you know, what it was a pandemic, who would have thought, you know, but when it got wiped away, I had other things to go to. So that's something that like, I'm glad I did subconsciously. So I was able to have another fallback, even though I wasn't really bringing in any income from CanMonkey. It was still an idea and a concept that I could like, no, it'll hit. Let's just go with it. And then from that, it taught me also like, I'm a delusional, optimistic person. I think I can do anything, even though I might not be great at it. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And so once I did Cam Monkey, I was like, no, I'm going to do Pool Monkey. I'm going to do Grass Monkey. I'm going to do Lawn Monkey. I'm going to do all these different monkeys and have like, you know, all these different like one-stop shops, right? I've already had the client and Josh has already paid me to take the cans to the curb. What if Josh has a pool? You know, take care of the pool. What if he has palm trees? I'm already there, you know, 16 times a month taking this cans to the curb and back. Why not? So that thought process is 
still there. But I also go back to my real estate background of Gary Keller, Keller Williams, the one thing. And my one thing in building was, you know, can occur. And so these other things I have laid foundations for and know that they can hit like pull monkey. We got clients on it. Am I putting all my eggs in it? No, like I'm still doing some things, but it's not my one thing. And now with can monkey, you know, even though that's our one thing, the can to curb, you know, business, but we are, like you said, a vacation rental trash solutions and in bear, you know, markets like yours where they have bears and Prescott and Sedona have javelinas and some areas have raccoons. We have different, you know, services, you know, maybe you have bear cages for your trash cans. So we have on-demand trash removal where we go to your property and remove the cans, you know, that way. So we're not taking the cans to curb and back. We also do can cleaning. When I have my client, I try to be their one-stop shop, you know, and that just comes back even from like from the real estate days and you know, financial advising. Who do you need? Do you need, you know, life insurance? I got someone for you. Do you need, you know, title insurance? I got someone for you. Like do you need your cans taken out? I got so I was trying to be that, you know, one-stop shop for anyone, for any of my clients. And if I refer them to someone, I'd like to know that like, I had a piece of that in the back end because I made those relationships or, or laid those foundations. Becoming the one-stop shop. I love that message. I think it can be translated to so many different industries too. Is there, you know, for someone listening who's an entrepreneur, maybe they're trying to scale, maybe they're not as far along. Is there a message that you would bring to them as someone who is maybe earlier in the entrepreneurial journey? It could even be a mistake that you made, a learning lesson that you had early on that reshaped your own journey. Is there something that you could give to some of the listeners? The main thing is just do it. Just do something every day toward whatever you want to do. And that's something that I didn't know that I was doing in the moment. And that's where like now that I'm conscious of it. That's something I tell like my younger siblings or, you know, just I have this idea, do it. You know, just do something, whatever it is, like start the process, you know, at least get the ball out of your court. So if it's like, I want to be on Josh's podcast. Okay. Did you reach out to him you know, on LinkedIn? Did you send him a message yet? Did you even connect with him yet? No, you just want to, well, you're not going to do anything. just wanting to. So it's just do something in it, you know, just a little bit. And that's what like has surprised me is like just the littlest thing has just built a little bit of a momentum that would like con off of something else. Something that I learned a little bit later that I've also so did subconsciously, but now I do consciously. It's the five M's. More meetings mean more money. So whenever you take a meeting, just take it with a positive you know, mindset of thinking like, what can I get out of this meeting? Because more meetings mean more money. Whether it, maybe it's not that person directly, but maybe that person's uncle, you know, needs help with, you know, parking their money somewhere. And now you can help with that annuity or whatever. You know, you never know what that situation is. It's just being top of mind. And, you know, when you meet with these people, just go in there always just like, how can I help that person? That's what I've kind of done. Like, just thought like every meeting being like, okay, what can the best thing be out of this? So I don't think of it as like a waste. And I'm glad because some of these meetings I took that I thought was just like was stupid actually were some of my best meetings because I went into it with like, what can I get the most out of this? Wow. That's a great lesson. I know I was guilty, you know, some of my early businesses of analysis paralysis, right? I need to have all the answers before I get started. And I've come to realize over the years, that's just not the case, you know, because the problems that you think are problems might not even exist, you know, and then there's going to be tons of stuff that comes up that you never, ever could have possibly thought of. So I love that message. I wanted to switch gears and talk about marketing really quick. I know we were talking before the recording, but the we'd love to handle your cans kind of messaging. I love that. I thought that was hilarious. It can't be easy, you know, marketing for a trash pickup company. I'm sure there's things that you have to do differently. And that's, you know, that's unique to every industry. But can you talk to kind of the messaging and how you came up with some of that? You know, it's like, how do you how do you make yourself different than everyone else? You know, copy from all, steal from none. And I would say this in the real estate days, you know, like, hey, like I'm not recreating the wheel. This real estate agent over 
over here in this you know state sells five million dollars a year. You want to sell five million, but this is what they do. So it's like, for example, like yeah, we got a billboard out. We got both sides. One side said we pull out in time, and the other side said we'd love to handle your cans. And it was one of those things where it was like we kind of had a feeling it caused some kind of controversy. But it's like no news is good news, or like no bad news is you know it's supposed to be something along those lines. And so it didn't even last thirty days. It got taken off, <laughs> and I think it was just a bad timing because it was during like the the Roe versus Wade and like the abortion and we had like we pull out in time and we weren't even talking about anything political it was just like we pull out in time like the cans and so they think they thought like because like someone called and was, like how do I explain this to my daughter and I was like we just take your trash cans to the curb ma'am that's all we we're trying to say she's like you guys are dirty I bet someone's patting their you know patting themselves on the back over there and I was like did you like it and so no so we had to get taken down so <laughs> unfortunately but we still have a lot of, you know, marketing that we took from, you know, the aerial views of the drone and whatnot. But what we had to do is kind of get our name out there and, you know, go out with the bangs. So that's where those, those ideas came from. But what we got that from is like Amazon had, it was like, let me handle your package or let us handle your package or something along those lines. It's like, how did Amazon get away with this? But we, you know, you can't have like, let us handle your cans. But, you know, we just tried that. You know, they used that. It was kind of clever. You no, know, we used them along those lines. We're going to try it again, maybe in Vegas. Maybe somewhere where it's, you know, maybe not frowned upon to say that stuff. And then the marketing that we're doing like right now on social media, we've used a company that helped us, you know, do something about myself where they're big on like showing that you're the expert of your industry. I think a lot of people have, they may, maybe not think they're the experts, but I guarantee if they're sitting at a dinner table with, you know, some friends and they're the only ones in their friend group that does what they do, they are an expert. So what he helped me do, this company helped me start kind of showcasing myself as an expert. That kind of got me into the bug of doing the social media. And then from there, like I don't really like talking about myself and I didn't really want myself to be the brand of Can Monkey. So then I went in this like different kind of back to like the let us handle your cans phase, but then also like video aspect of like these memes. And that's kind of where I'm at now where I just, I, I treat it like a job where I make myself do like five a day and some of them make them out, some don't. I use, you know, my wife or like, you know, coworkers or people in the office like, hey, who likes this? Or I'll put it on like a story and if I got a lot of you know likes, I'll use that one on like a TikTok or whatever. I don't really overthink anything anymore. Like if there's a video, I just put it out there. Like I don't critique it because I could critique it all day long and give myself every reason not to put it out. You know, I misspell something and someone's like, you misspelled it. And I was like, well, thanks for looking at it. <laughs> you know, like at least you saw it, you know? So it's like, you know, when you go to the gym, you're never mad at when you leave the gym, you know, at least you went. So like, I'm never mad after I do the barking piece. It's always like the thought process of doing it. Like I'm not gonna, what am I gonna say? I can't say anything clever this time. The ones I never want to post are the ones I get the most impressions and, you know, I get business from. And I'm like, what? And the ones I think about carefully and like, like chat GPT, it gets no, uh, you know, so it's like, so I just do it. I don't even try to look at it anymore. I just post it. Just do it. Yeah, that ties in perfectly with the message before of just, just go for it. Just do it, right? Just put the information out there. And we were talking before about repurposing other people's content, right? It's almost a, an unlimited amount of content out there. I know every morning I wake up and there's a new video on next door of someone's trash on the ground and a bear going through it, right? Like so true. So that's cool that you can kind of piggyback off of that as well. 
And we have uh, our customer service is just getting like all of our systems and processes are getting better. And we have like our technology that collects all the photos from every single stop. So like I have pictures and data for days and I just try to take from what we already have. Right. So if I get like an issue that comes by my email, like, hey, Alex, they said that they blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, look, I'll take that screenshot right there. Like I'm using this as a marketing piece. I had nothing today. This is a good one. Let's just use it. So like I just really don't try to overthink it, you know, but you're right. Anything it's, it's already there. I'm just taking what's in front of me and just putting it to use and not recreating the wheel. Yeah, that's huge. What's the biggest challenge right now in the company? And what are you guys doing to overcome that? I would say the two biggest issues, and it's almost like perfect that they're like the two biggest issues at the same time. One biggest issue is that not enough people know that we exist. We are doing this all bootstraps, a lot of this marketing, all the marketing. It's just like me putting it out there on Instagram or me doing LinkedIn. And to be where we're at right now, to have, you know, the amount of individual clients, the properties on a subscription, you know, it's very impressive. And obviously I'm biased, but this is also from what I hear from other people. I make jokes that like if Shaquille O'Neal was like promoting us, like he does a general, like we'd have a hundred thousand, you know, we'd have too many people. And then that's the other issue. If we had 2000 people sign up tomorrow, I, I don't think our systems and processes could handle it right now. So our biggest issues right now are people don't know that we exist, but we're working on that right now. And then it, getting our operations and systems in place to where like, okay, Google Voice maybe helped us to get to 5,000 properties, but Google Voice can't help us get to 10,000. So now we got to implement Zendesk and Zapier and like all these other SaaS companies that are built for these companies that have scaled to the levels that we're going to. So we're reverse engineering. So it's kind of like a two answer issues that people don't know that exist, but it's also good because like if Shaquille O'Neal blasted us on his Instagram tomorrow, look at this company and we had thousands of, oh crap, do I have enough can runners? Do I, you know, so it's like all these other issues that would come in place now, but like that's a good problem to have. You know, would we figure it out? Sure. I'm trying to balance it out. Definitely. Well, it's funny you mentioned balance. That was something that would just popped into my head is how do you balance everything? You've got a couple of different ventures going on, still a financial advisor. How is that process of balancing all the different entrepreneurial ventures that you have going on? It's very cliche, but I have really good partners around me. My family, my cousin, my uncle, they're second and third generation financial advisors out in Tallahassee with Guardian. So I had my license with Guardian Life Insurance since you know 2010 when I got out of college. And on low hanging fruit, people talking about like life insurance, talking about like golden handcuffs, talking about things from like a business you know owner that could utilize things that I utilize. I, I can kind of sell that myself and say, hey, let me introduce you to my business partner, you know, my cousin, you know, and he can take it from here. If it's a higher level stuff that maybe I just don't even want to be involved in because I don't even want them to like I don't want them to think that like my mindset's off of Cam Monkey. I just introduce them to my business partner. You know, so it's really nice when you have people that you can trust and that I know that when I hand them off, you know, they're good. I'm more of like a marketing aspect now. You know, I still hang my license, I still have it, but it's more like I'll talk to someone about it because I'm doing it. And then here's the person that's helped me. And I'm just like handing it off. It's an easy transition. Pool monkey, same thing. Like, I mean, the guy that, you know, Andy, who runs pools, I mean, he lives and eats it. And like, that's his thing, you know? So like, I'm basically just a marketing, right? Like if I had the clients that are with Cam Monkey and they say, oh, can you help me with pools? Here you go. And I'm giving them to someone that is, that's what he does. I'm helping him. Same thing with Cam Monkey. It's like, it was as hard as at a hundred properties as it is at like 5,000 properties. 
it had its own issues at 100 properties and it's hard then. And it's hard now at 5,000, just different hards. There's a saying like, choose your hard. It's hard now, but it was, it was hard at 100 and we figured it out. I'm sure it's going to be hard at 10,000. I'm sure it's going to be hard, but it's like, I'll take on those hards and we'll figure it out and we'll keep you know scaling. And in the beginning, it was really hard when I knew like, I felt like I was plugging in a bunch of outlets and I'd turn my back and people are unplugging it. And I'm like, what are you doing? I just plugged that in for you. Like, don't do anything else. And then know when you can like plug that in and like finally turn your back. Like you don't even know how many things are plugged in now. And you don't need the password for it. Like that's where I'm at in so many different levels. And then there's other levels where I'm like, don't touch this. You know, so like I just now replicate what I've done before, get myself to a certain situation where like I'm really good at building things, but I'm not good at like scaling it. And now I have people around me now where it's like, oh, hey, here you go. And I know their strengths. They know my strengths. I know their weaknesses. They know my weaknesses. And they just take off from where I'm done at. And I like doing things like this. I like being in front of people. I like, you know, selling myself in like a positive way, like whether it's just helping with not just motivation, but like any like tips or like, hey, this is what I would do. Here's my feedback. Oh, I don't know the answer, but here, call this person. I really try looking for nothing out of it. Just, you know, creating win-wins. And that comes back from title and escrow. You know, same thing with the cans. Cans are not sexy, but if I can help you make your business a little bit better, if I can help you like protect yourself and your family a little bit better and like all people on the back end your trash cans, but I just, you know, like I try to leverage other ways, whether it's connections or other, you know, businesses that I know would help them if they need it. And then in return, see what can happen from that. Wow. It's a lot of goodness there to unpack. I mean, choose your hard. You know, I got that on my desk too. Like, I love that quote. The scaling, you know, I hear that a lot talking to entrepreneurs is like, that's one of the hardest things. Sounds like you have good people on your team, good partnerships. I wanted to expand on that and just ask about mentors. I know for myself, like I never would have gotten this far without mentorship. Has that played a role kind of in your journey? Maybe that's your cousin and family members like that. You know, maybe there's other people too, but has that played a role? Have you found someone that you've sort of learned from and they've helped you kind of leapfrog some of the obstacles in your way? I mean, so obviously, yes, I had mentors and in some of those aspects of like what I'm doing, they're my mentorship with like my uncle could be my mentor for life insurance or financial advising or for like being a father figure, you know, in the aspects of Cam Monkey, I went into this where like no one really could help me. And I say that in not an egotistical way, but like no one had done that business before. And if anything, if I was telling people what I was doing, family members are saying, well, don't do that. What are you doing? <laughs> like it was actually like everything you see see in like, you know, these motivational things, like people are going to tell you, no, they're going to tell you you can't do it. That's literally what happened. It's so cliche. But like now I'm on the other side and you have family members like now promoting me on Facebook. And it's like, why are you promoting me now? I don't need your help now. Like, <laughs> I wish you promoted, but I appreciate it. I'm not, you know, that's kind of how it was. So like in the aspect of the hand monkey per se, I really had no like real mentor that I could go to say, hey, what did you do at this aspect? What did you do at this aspect? What I did was just basically take what I learned from previous things I've done and what I've learned from those previous mentors and just took everything I had accumulated and just did it for Cam Monkey. And I just got to remember, like, it was during the pandemic, the world was shut down. My business partner that started Cam Monkey was back in Canada 
we were building this through like a WhatsApp and it was literally me, myself and like any phone calls I would make to my business partner, but he was three hours ahead most of the time. So it was just me, myself by like by myself doing this all going crazy every day. Like mental health went like way down. Like what the hell am I doing this for? I was also day trading at the same time. Everyone was day trading at that time. You know, like that was helping me like make ends meet for my family while the world was shut down. It was like a crazy time. So like when I go back to it, like there's no one I would even really confide to because if I was going to confide to someone about what I was going through, they probably would have just said the logical thing of go get a job. What are you doing? You know, which is what I probably should have done, you know, logically. But that's what I'm saying. Like, it's so cliche when I look at these, like, you know, Instagram videos or whoever makes it, whatever aspect, it's like a story like this, you know, like, and it just goes to show that, like, how many people could actually succeed if they just never stopped. And I wanted to quit a hundred times. I can't tell you how many times I told my business partner to fuck off, you know, like, like I'm doing my own thing. I don't need you. Like, you know, and like, obviously we're still together, but the wrong way to, you know, to act, but that's kind of like my mentality. I was just like a dog, you know, I was just like, you know, I'm fuck everyone. Everyone said, I can't do this. I'm doing it and watch me. And it was like, watch me get to a hundred and watch me get to 250. Watch me get to 500. But I can't go to another state. Watch me. Now we've done it. Like, okay, cool. I've not done it all. I'm not happy where we're at, but I'm content and I love it. I'm not content. I'm appreciative and grateful, but this is not where I want to stop. And that every mountaintop is the beginning of the next mountaintop. And that's where I feel like we're at right now. We climbed this mountaintop. We're at the top of it. And I'm like, oh shit, the whole new mountaintop, guys. All right. And I'm just gathering the troops. We're all like catching our breath right now. And that's how I feel right now. And I'm like, all right, let's go. You guys ready? And I'm just, you know, leading the pack and getting them all up right now. And we're at that next point of the next mountaintop. And that's my analogy. I like that analogy a lot. I feel that deep in my soul. Like that's what it feels like, right? And I think you have the right perspective too about the naysayers because they're everywhere, right? I dealt with the same thing when I launched a financial firm. You know, do you know how many people have tried this? You know what the failure rate is? You know, everyone wants to tell you how you can't do it. But that, you know, repurposing that as motivation can be the way to go versus just letting it sink you. Let's say someone's listening and they're just really resonating with what you're saying right now. They're like, I am in day two of bootstrapping my own business that I really believe in. I've got a lot of naysayers. What advice would you give them, you know, as they kind of start? Figure out where you want to be and like, what's your five-year plan, three-year plan, one-year plan, or where you see your business. For me at CanMonkey, it was going to be my one thing. So I needed to replace what I was making in corporate America. I needed X, Y, Z, right? So like, and that's why Pool Monkey came up eventually. You know, you have to figure out what your nut is. And this comes from financial advice. What is your cost every month? You know, you got to make that. So it's like reverse engineer it. So like, if you're like, hey, you know what? I'm on day two of starting this, you know, bootstrap business. And in year three, I want to sell it for $100,000 profit. Okay, cool. Now reverse engineer. Like, where do you need to be at the end of year one to be on track to sell that for? And maybe you don't need to put that much time into it. You know, maybe you're like, hey, by year three, I want to be doing at least a hundred thousand dollars a month in recurring revenue. Okay, how much you know, monthly recurring revenue do you need? You know, to sell your product at to get to a hundred thousand. Okay, you need you know this much. Okay, you need this many clients. Can you get this many clients in the market you're in right now? Yeah. Okay. Or no, I can't. Okay. Can you scale to another market? Yes. Okay. And then now you had the whole thing out there. And now it's a lot easier to like, you know, attain because you can, you know, visually see it on paper. And then now you just work toward those goals that you just reverse engineered. And then now it's going to help you know that like, okay, here's a new benchmark. And that for me was really easy to keep it going because like I celebrate the little wins and maybe the, I was the only one that knew the little wins, but like I celebrated like, yeah, we're at 250. What's that mean? 
It just means that we did it. So let's just keep going. You know, like whatever those little wins are, you got to celebrate it because it just keeps you going. Me at least, especially in the beginning, because I mean, you can go six months, a year and feel like you're doing, you know, you can just leave it. And then that's where like, also you just do it six months a year. Don't, what do you mean? That's like, this is the furthest you've ever been. So keep going and you have to keep like, you know, psyching yourself into doing it almost. And it, like what I was saying earlier, you watch these cliche videos. It's like, if it's getting really hard and you're getting really frustrated and, you know, you're staying up really late and you're waking up really early and you're spending all this time on this, like you got to remember that you asked to do that. This is what you asked for. You asked to be busy. You asked to, you know, start a side hustle. You asked to, you know, have clients that were going to, you know, pay you. Like you asked for this. Like when I have to, like when someone is like past due on a payment, like I don't get mad. I'm like, no, that's so cool that like I get to get this money. You know, I get to like reach out to this client and say, hey, what's going on? Look at it from a positive. And that's where like I'm appreciative now. I try to be very appreciative. Like, I'm not mad at anything. When anything happens, I, we overpaid our can runners. To mention bonuses, great. <laughs> you know, like I'm glad we had enough money to do it. Should we overpay people again? No, but like, hey, it already happened, so there's no reason to fret about it. Like now, if you do it again, now it's a mistake. The first time's a lesson learned. Second time's a mistake. Let's not make mistakes. It's a lesson learned, and then you just go from that aspect. That's a great perspective. I want to switch gears a little bit and just ask these three questions I tend to ask everybody. What does living a wealthy life look like for you? I guess it determines on how you describe wealthy or, you know, your definition of wealthy. Sometimes wealthy could be monetary and it could be, you know, money. I have four kids at home and a wife and, you know, wealth to me is like the love for my family. Like if I can spend time with my kids, that's wealth to me. So I describe success or I describe, you know, wealth or whatever the term is by if your kids want to hang out with you as adults, you know, and, and that's what I strive for. I strive to do whatever I'm doing in this life right now when my kids are young. So when they're older or throughout their whole life, you know, dad was always there and dad was their friend and the wealth that I accumulate monetary, hopefully at then at that point will provide, you know, the life that I can have to be with my kids and have that freedom. So like wealth to me would be the time I spend with my family, the freedom of, you know, being my family. Family first. Absolutely. If you could give one message to someone working to gain financial freedom who isn't there yet, what would it be? If you're not there yet, you're looking to gain it. I would start with looking at your foundation of where you're at currently right now and looking at what you're spending every month. You know, are you spending money on Starbucks? Are you spending money on gym memberships you're not using or the stuff that is going out? For the most part, people think that they don't have or not making enough money, but really it's just the money that's going out. And it's like this going back to the basics, which is kind of sometimes people think is like a derogatory term, like going back to the basics, like it's, you know, it's bad, but it's actually like, if you stay in the basics, then you're always, you know, you're staying at like the foundational mark. So sometimes when you're starting a, a stick shift car, you go first gear, second gear, third gear, fourth gear, fifth gear. If you slow down, you don't stay in fifth gear. You got to go back to first or second, you know, so it's the same thing in like your business. Sometimes you start off really well and then you get off track sometimes and you should be going back to the second gear and you're staying in fifth gear and you're not reevaluating. So I do that often if I feel like things are getting out of line with my my bank account or it's not where it should be. I go back to the basics. You know, what, what am I spending on? What came out of my account this month? Oh, what? Oh, that's right. I did. I did spend money on that, or I did. You know, sign up for that, or that's. You know, for me, I always go back to what. What can I control right now? And that's something you can control. Money going out. 
I love that you went there back to basics like that because this third question really is a back to basics type question. It's it's basically asking if you only had a thousand dollars and we're starting over, what would be the first thing you'd do with that money? And I think of it in the sense of, you know, you have all the knowledge that you have now, but maybe the businesses don't exist. You're just truly starting over with a thousand dollars. Like what is that first back to basic kind of step? Oof, that's a good question because I went into building my like current business with like no capital at all, really. You know, went into it just like door knocking. But what I would go to it now, knowing what I know now, is putting that thousand dollars maybe toward marketing, depending on what I was trying to sell. You know, using it to get my foot in the door, maybe to take some money to make money, so depending on what I was trying to you know sell. But get my foot in the door with a client that would you know be able to bring me enough business every month that I can repeat what I just spent to get my ball rolling. Because like for me, revenue covers all sins. So what's the lowest thing that I could do to you know start making some money? So that thousand dollars I would allocate to getting that first client where I get something. Like my first win, get something going, whether it was, you know, used for marketing or used for whatever aspects, I guess. Like I'm the kind of person that would start a business before I even had like I would I wouldn't even have a website yet, you know. So like some people, like you said, like they need all the information. I'm the opposite. So like I wouldn't even spend my money on like a website or anything until I had the revenue, whatever it was first. So I'd spend that money on making sure that whatever venture I was going into. I would be able to make revenue in research and development, whatever it is. Pools, like, okay, can I spend a thousand dollars to get more pools? Yep. How? Okay, you can spend it on marketing flyers. You can spend it on Facebook marketing. You can spend it on going to Leslie's and hosting it there to the local, you know, homeowners. Something along those lines, where like, okay, if I spend this five hundred dollars on an HOA party, will I meet homeowners there? Yes. Do they have pools? Yes. Can I get you know leads with this money? Yes. Can I skip trace? Yes. Something along those lines. Getting attention on your business. Even if you bought those leads per se, you could turn around and sell those leads to someone else and even recoup some of your money that you just spent if you only had a thousand. So you really were trying to be strategic about it. Right. If someone's listening and they're saying to themselves, man, I really want to connect with Can Monkey. I want to use their services or I want to connect with Alex. I think the story is fascinating. Where would they track you down online? CanMonkey.com is our website. Go on there. You can sign up, send us you're interested for more information, whatever you want on the website. For me, I'm on LinkedIn, Alexander Shapiro on Instagram, Alexander Shapiro. Reach out or send a message on CanMonkey and would love to connect with anyone. Great. And I'll put all those links in the show notes, make it easy for everyone. Anything I should have asked you, anything that you were hoping to talk about that I didn't dive into? No, man, you asked some really good questions. And I always love like getting asked these questions because like sometimes you forget about it. Like it's nice to know like subconsciously sometimes that I still do the right things, even but then it's also good to know that like I was subconscious about that. You gotta be conscious, you know. And so that's where I pinch myself out a lot and going back to just doing it is everything will work out as it should. And when I look back on the business now, I pinch myself because like so many times we shouldn't be where we're at right now and it just worked. So just do it. You know, it'll work out. Having these conversations remind me that was like, you know, ignorance is bliss. You know, just, just do it. Whatever it is, just call that person and ask for the meeting. You know, don't be like, Oh my gosh, you're the CEO. I can't. Who cares? Just call. People want to help people, you know, ask for help, be vulnerable all those things, people will help you. And that's something that like I subconsciously knew, but now like I consciously know and I forget sometimes. So I got to consciously remind myself that everyone wants to help. 
right? Yeah, it's good to reiterate it. And I mean, there were some nuggets in here, some just really good things. I wrote down twice, just do it. And revenue covers all sins. I mean, I love that for a new entrepreneur. That's gold. And that's like reverse engineering, right? Like if you know that you can bring in a thousand dollars a month in monthly recurring revenue and your costs are 500, cool. Like there you go. Like you, that's good profit margins. Okay. Now can you scale that? So it's just like, it sounds basic, but that's literally what it is. And that's how I grew Cam Monkey is monthly recurring revenue. So you can see where you're at every month per se. And then it was like, in the beginning, I'm like, okay, this is not enough. I need to make other revenue streams, you know? And then you like, what other revenue streams can you come up that are close to that, that are not too far off? And that's where the can cleaning and the on-demand trash removal. But I couldn't just do junk removal. That'd be like any other business, right? So like the one thing was the can to curb. But now we have 40, 50%, no, 30 to 45% of our business almost comes from on-demand trash removal in the states that we're in now. And it wouldn't have happened if we didn't start the can. You know, so like you never know sometimes how it works out. You just got to do it. Just got to start. That's it. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap for us. This has been the Wealth in Yourself podcast, where we help people to design their ideal life and take control of their time and money. Our guest today was Alex Shapiro, co-founder and CEO at Can Monkey, vacation rental trash solution. We'll see you next week. And thanks for listening. The Wealth in Yourself podcast is hosted by me, Josh St. Laurent, and edited and produced by Ray Haycraft. To learn more about how to make your money work for you, visit us at www.wealthinyourself.com and connect with us on all social media at Wealth in Yourself. This podcast is educational in nature and is not meant to be investment advice. Please do not construe anything said to be advice and the opinions of the guests may or may not represent the opinions of Wealth in Yourself. This podcast and the information presented are separate from my employment at Golden Gate University. Still, they are part of my mission to make no cost financial knowledge more accessible. If you like the show, please take a moment to leave us a review. We read all of your feedback and we wanna make sure we cover the topics that matter most. If you have a specific subject you'd like us to explore or a guest you'd love to hear interviewed, don't hesitate to shoot us a direct message. And as always, thanks for listening.